Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the Bible, and so we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians. Uh, after 2 Corinthians, we're going to jump to Revelation. Um, but I have no idea how long it takes because we don't necessarily rush through something to do more of the Word. We just take it as it comes. The Word is the Word. And so we'll see when we get there. It'll probably be a couple months. It'll be this year for sure. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We made it through verse 4 last time. We're going to hopefully make it through verse 15 this time. Father, we thank you and praise you for your Word. And Father, we're just going to continue in your worship, our worship of you, by surrendering our minds, our souls, our hearts to you right now. I'm sure most of us have a lot of things going on in our lives. And even this morning, our minds are probably going in different directions. So Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to take whatever anxieties we might have, fears, whatever joys we have, that we lay them at your throne right now, that we might take these next 40 minutes to hear from your word as a community of believers. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. Without your Holy Spirit, none of this is possible. So we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed, you do bear with me. So if you're new or visiting, basically what Paul has been addressing is there's been some false teachers, false apostles uh, raised up within the church or from without the church. They came into the church, and they're basically trying to take the believer back to the law. Oh, it's Jesus. Oh, yes, you're saved by Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. Hello. So Paul's like, no, 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 no. So if, if today, 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 even today, there are churches that will tell you, you yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's Jesus, but, but you need to become a member of our church. You need to be water baptized into our church. Uh, you need to knock on doors. You need to pass out pamphlets. You need, you need, you need, you need. And maybe after you do all that, maybe God will love you. Maybe you'll get to heaven. Nah, not sure. That's not the gospel. That's not good news. The gospel means good news. That's bad news. The good news is you're saved by faith alone. Faith alone. And so this is what Paul's addressing as we get into this, if you're new or visiting. Verse 2. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. And we learned about this a couple weeks ago, so you can get the CDs. They're free. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Listen to Paul's heart there as he shares this. I want you to be pure. I want you to be right with God. Not that people went through Paul and asked, can I marry so-and-so? Can I buy this? Can I do that? That's nonsense. That's, that's, there is such a thing as shepherding doctrine, and it, and it is still alive today, where you're supposed to go to the pastorate to get approval, to the leaders to get approval so you can do something in your life. That's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. You're free to do whatever God would have you to do, but pray. And if you do need counsel, obviously we're here. We'd love to pray with you. Love to give you counsel. Anytime. Verse 3. But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Remember, the enemy's number one tactic is deception. And we've seen that. <laughs> Have we seen that in the last three years or not? As I mentioned a couple years ago, the Center for Deceit Control. 
And now the time's going by, the deceit is coming out more and more and more. We knew it was there all along, but people were afraid to say it because they would lose their jobs, they'd be canceled, ostracized by family members. Oh, you're one of those far-right extremist love Trump guys, huh? No, I just love my Bible. And I also believe in science. So the numbers were not there, but, you know, it is what it is. So be careful. Be careful. Stay in the Word of God. Trust God to guide you. Don't be foolish. I have a cold. I'm washing my hands a lot. I'm taking medicine. It's not like I'm going to claim my healing. No, I'm taking stuff. Praise God. God can heal me. If he wants to get into my lungs and go home, I'm fine with that too. Praise God. But I'm going to be wise and do what I can do. You be wise as well. It's it's that simple. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds, notice the mind, the mind, it's a battlefield. Even this morning, your mind has been in a battlefield this morning. Some of you might not have wanted to sing because of something that happened in your life this past week. And you had to make a conscious decision, I am going to sing. I am going to lift praise to my God. Others of you had a great week and you're in here going, (laughs) you're singing, you're loving it. All kinds of emotions in this room this morning, all kinds of things happening in our minds. We have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that is hard to do, but through the Holy Spirit, He can give us strength to do that. Verse 4, For if he who comes preaches another gospel, another Jesus, whom we have not preached. So now we're starting to see Paul address very specifically, these false teachers, uh, some of them who have actually tried to, be, to name themselves apostles. Or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, and there is only one spirit called the Holy Spirit. Um, don't live your life in feeling land. That's a very bad land to live in. Well, I don't feel the spirit here this morning. What does that have to do with anything? The Holy Spirit is para, para. Biblically, the Holy Spirit, para in the Greek, is around constantly. Whether you feel it or not, the Holy Spirit is around constantly. So be very careful of your feelings. Prisons are full of people who did make poor choices on their feelings. So be very, very careful. Or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, that you may well, you, sorry. Or a different gospel, which you have not accepted accepted, you may well put up with it. So the gospel is Jesus plus something else equals salvation. No, the gospel is Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. If somebody comes knocking on your door and you ask them, is it Jesus alone that saves me? They might say, yes, but they say it hesitantly. They get, Wait a minute, you said that, you, you kind of hesitated on that. What else do I need to do to get saved? Well, you need to belong to our church. Oh, so it's Jesus plus church membership said equals salvation. That's a different gospel than according to the gospel. I don't want nothing to do with it, but let me tell you about Jesus. And you just start sharing Jesus and don't give them an opportunity to talk. Plant, water, fertilize, give them Bible verses. Don't bless them on their way because the Bible says in John, 2 John, do not bless them. God bless you. No, God doesn't want to bless false doctrine. Don't do that. It's in the Bible. Do not do that. Tell them to repent. Rebuke them. Let them know. I said, I've said that to people. If you don't repent, you're going to hell. Jehovah Witnesses. Well, we don't believe in hell. You will when you wake up there. <laughs> you will. So I encourage you to repent. Because there is a hell. They didn't appreciate that, but that's okay. 
It's better to love somebody to heaven than to love them to hell. Warn people, guys. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostle. So now Paul is going to start addressing against some issues. You see, Peter, James, John, Paul wasn't any less of a pastor or earthly shepherd than these men were. Even if others were mocking Paul about his physical appearance or his verbal presentation of the gospel. Verse 6, even though I am untrained in speech, you see here Paul acknowledges, you know, I'm not an eloquent speaker. Okay, I'll go with that. You know, I am not in knowledge. He was probably one of the wisest men on the face of the earth. He had the first, as a Pharisee, you had to have the first five books of the Bible memorized word perfect. Have fun with that, especially numbers. Memorize numbers, word perfect. Let me know how that goes. He had to have it memorized to be a Pharisee. That was one of the requirements. He studied under Gamaliel. Gamaliel, to this day, is one of the most revered rabbis in all of Judaism. To this day, 2,000 years ago, he studied under Gamaliel. This was a very wise guy, very wise man. So Paul says, yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Why? Because Paul's life and the lives of his companions have been laid out before the Corinthians, which should raise a question in our minds. Do your coworkers know that you're a Christian? Not a weird Christian, because you're running around beating people up with the Bible. None of that nonsense, naming and claiming, blabbing and grabbing. But that you just live out the Christian faith. You love people. You don't talk bad about the supervisor when everybody else is talking bad. Maybe you just walk away. Or maybe you say, you know what? Our supervisor's not here. Why don't you guys go tell him what you're saying? Maybe he can help answer your questions. You see, people want to see what a Christian is. Because they're guys are hearing what Christians are on TV. They're, they're reading it on the internet. Just this past week, front page, crazy Christian pastor saying God hates homosexuals, of course they're going to give that print because that makes all Christianity look foolish. We know that's not biblical for God so loved the world. Get out of the ministry, pal, because you're not in the ministry. That's not biblical. So guys, Christianity is on display. They're mocking Christianity. They're mocking the Bible regularly, daily. So they need to see somebody different. And the Corinthians who live in a culture Far worse than our culture, if you could imagine that. You know, they had a temple to Aphrodite's, and there was a thousand temple prostitutes that would nightly go through the streets of Corinth soliciting their bodies so that they could raise money for the temple. I, I, I don't, do we see that happening in, Corinth, uh, in Queen Creek? I don't think we see that happening in Queen Creek, do we? Women walking around all of Queen Creek soliciting their bodies to raise money for a church. Guys, they had it. That, that was their culture, devious. So Paul is saying, come out from among them. He didn't say move out of Corinth. He's just saying mentally, spiritually, don't be a partake in it. Come out. And so for you and I, do people see that, that our lives, is it laid out before them? Again, just in a loving way, not in a weird way, just in a loving way. You see, Paul had spent and his companions 18 months with this church. They didn't hide their personal lives. From them, but lived among them, even working alongside of them. And here we see that Paul admits that he was not an eloquent speaker. 
Again, even though he's probably one of the smartest guys. Well, how do you get so smart? Well, let's look at Proverbs chapter 2. Now, again, if you're new or visiting here, we encourage you to have a Bible, really a paper Bible. Um, so when the Chinese fly over another balloon <laughs> and drop a magnetic, electromagnetic impulse bomb, and if you don't know what that is, you might want to do your homework. Uh, you drop one of those babies, we're going back 100 years. It fries everything, and your little phone is not going to work. But you know what? Your Bible will still open. Whoa, that's cool. Get used to your Bible. Proverbs chapter 2, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. Isn't that awesome? The word of God. Again, no show of hands, and and this is not out of any nonsense, just, just for me to exhort you. How much do you treasure the word of God? And here's a little thing that you can say right now to your mind. Well, how much time do I give the word of God in my life throughout the week? And you'll find your answer out immediately. If you don't open your Bible, you don't treasure the word of God. That's not guilt or condemnation. That's just reality. And so if we want godly wisdom, if we want to learn how we should live as a Christian, we need to be in the word of God daily, regularly, not out of debt, not out of duty, none of that nonsense, out of relationship. I want to hang with God. I want to hang with Jesus. Verse 2, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment. Notice this. If you cry out to God, God, I need discernment. Anybody in this room need discernment? Of course, we all do. Do any of us need understanding? We all do. Well, who are you crying out to? Your financial advisor? That's not going real well. And lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver... And search for her as hidden treasures. When the market's really bad and the economy's doing bad, what are we supposed to do? Anybody know what we're supposed to do right now? Buy gold. Buy gold. Buy silver. Prepare. You can shred it and eat it. Verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Notice that. And the word fear there is reverence. Just reverence. How can I reverence God? And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, capital Lord there, Jehovah, personal name of God, the Father. For God gives wisdom. He loves, does a verse pop into your mind in James by chance with that? If any of you lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll give it to you liberally, abundantly. Wow, that's, that's kind of interesting. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly, not self-righteously. Just rightly, which means I'm just right with God, like we did this morning with communion. Something came to your mind and you confessed it. You're right with God as far as earth to heaven. As far as heaven to earth, you're always right with God. Heaven to earth, he sees you as holy, unblameable, unreprovable. You're always right with God. But because we mess up, we need to get right with God. Hourly, moment by moment, daily, whatever the case may be. A shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. You see, true spiritual wisdom is not an external display of appearance or abilities. What were these other people coming into Corinth saying? Well, Paul, you know, he's kind of short, crooked nose, watery eyes. Not, you know, not not an Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, kind of like a Woody Allen type guy. You're going to listen to him? 
but an internal life transformation taking place through the growing knowledge of God's word. See, Paul's life was transformed by God's word. It wasn't about external. It wasn't about presentation. It was like, wow, Paul walks this way. Wow, Paul walks that way. Wow, Paul does this. Wow, Paul does that. And that can happen in your life and my life as well. Again, not out of self-righteous nonsense. Just walking the walk. Verse 7. 2 Corinthians 10, 7. I'm sorry, 11, 7. 2 Corinthians 11, 7. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel to God, of God to you free of charge? So here Paul asks a simple question and he starts to address another issue with these false teachers. Paul was not in the ministry for the money, which unfortunately in the last 20, 30 years we've seen horror story after horror story about that, right? And the media loves to bring that out. But rather, the Holy Spirit inspired him to reach out to those who were heading to hell. He wanted to see people get saved. You see, he preached the gospel wherever he could and didn't request funds in exchange for his preaching. And Pastor Chuck taught us this, and we do the exact same thing. If anybody invites us anywhere, we never, well, how much is it going to cost us? It's not going to cost you anything. We'll, we'll come. What? What? You'll just come? Yeah, an opportunity to preach the gospel? You bet. When would you like us to be there? That doesn't happen very often. A lot of ministries, well, you know, we got this expense, and it's going to be this amount of money. And small churches are like, well, uh, well, well, okay, I guess we'll have to invite somebody else. No, we don't limit the gospel. It's free. We freely received, freely we give. Okay? But now we want to be careful. We don't take something on an extreme. So let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. You see, Paul took up a collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem, but not for himself. Because these basically false teachers were insinuating that Paul was taking up a, 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 a collection for himself. For himself. And as you read the scriptures, you find out that there was total accountability with the money that was being raised. Just like we have here, we have three people that verify our income and outgo. Three different accountants verify monthly, regularly. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. And as you go, this is Jesus preaching or teaching now, saying, And as you go, talking to his disciples, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Judas was a part of this, by the way. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. Key point here, for the worker is worthy of his food. God will take care of you and God will bless you. And I've never been invited anywhere where they did not take care of me and bless me. But I was the one that was blessed more by going. But as you read all of the scriptures, the scriptures clearly teach that those who minister the gospel should be supported by those who receive the gospel. That's a clear teaching in the Bible. Corinth was a very prosperous city. And yet Paul didn't want anyone accusing him of ministering to them because of their prosperity. 
it would have been very easy for somebody to say, oh, yeah, he's in Corinth. We know why he's in Corinth. Oh, look at all the money that goes through Corinth. Oh, that's why he's in Corinth. That's why Paul didn't take a dime, or a shekel, I should say. Paul didn't take a shekel from them, if it was Hebrew, whatever the common coin currency at that day. You see, Paul was, not inspired to, Paul was inspired to not receive or even ask the Corinthians for any financial support. And we see why in verse 20. Look at verse 20. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 20, which we'll get to maybe next week. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. Talking about the false teachers. If one devours you. That word devour, it means to eat up. To consume. You put up with it. You put up with it. If one takes from you. If one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, to your shame, I say that we were too weak for that, but in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Paul did not ask for anything. He just ministered the gospel. But he's showing them what was taking place in their midst. As we look back at verse 8, I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. Now, we know according to the word of God, we're not to steal. So Paul is not literally, he did not literally steal funds from other churches. I believe he is saying, you put up with these people who are ripping you off. They're actually robbing you. They're actually stealing from you. And you put up with it. Be mature. Don't do that. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. Notice what took place here in Paul's life as a minister of the gospel. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. These were the churches that were above Acacia, that area of Acacia. It's kind of like Maricopa County and Pinal County. So there might be cities in Maricopa County. There's cities in Pinal County. So Acacia is where Corinth was located at. So he didn't take a collection from them because he knew in the spiritual world what would take place. So the churches that he had previously ministered to... In that area, the Macedonia area, gave funds to support Paul and his companions for the work that was taking place down in Corinth. There were, again, there were smaller fellowships in that day and age that took great delight or joy in financially helping Paul further the gospel. And I want to commend you guys as we prayed last December and the first Sunday, which was January 1st of this year, we went to 35%. So if you're newer visiting here, Everything you give, I don't, I don't know who gives. I don't want to know. None of the staff knows. We don't know how much people give. As all as I get is a bottom line. And from that bottom line, we take 35%. 35% goes into missions. Off the top, 35% of everything you give is going to missions. Go into your mission lobby and start praying for your missionaries that God will use them to get the gospel out. Guys, that's a lot of money. I think last month, you all gave $22,000, I believe it was, last month the month of January, that's a lot of money. So I commend you. It's not about finances around here. We don't have to beg, borrow, plead, none of that nonsense. Because you give and we have accountability. So God is doing an awesome work. Verses 10 through 12. Oh, I'm sorry, let's finish verse, uh, verse 9. Who came from Macedonia supplied, and in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you, 
and I will also, and I will keep myself. And so I will keep myself. Verse 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not have love, because I do not love you? God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity when those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. You know, just as we read the words of Christ last week, a hireling will flee from protecting the sheep when the going gets tough. You see these false teachers, again, who either were from the outside coming in or, or came from the inside or already in the inside, the established church, they had a much easier time once Paul established the church. So it was very easy to fleece the flock. There was a church, very young church. They didn't have the Bible like you and I have, guys. You and I have the privilege to have the whole Bible on our laps and an app, all of that stuff. Again, do we treasure it? Do we take time to read it? If we do, we'll learn all of these principles. You see, Paul is going to show the Corinthians in just a few verses. Please read the rest of chapter 11 for the next couple of weeks. Rest of chapter 11. What a true disciple of Jesus might have to go through at times. You see, persecution is very likely for those who truly seek after the ways of God. I share it often, but it's a practical example. But it's happening throughout our country, guys. But the baker up in Denver, Colorado, Jack, 10 years now. It's been 10 years. And he's still going to court. Still going to court. They keep coming at him. The state does, and individuals do as well, to ruin his life, to ruin his business, to get him to do something. And he's just staying steadfast. Keep in your prayers. I mean, for 10, could you do this for 10 years? Getting harassed on a regular basis, death threats, trying to lose your business for 10 years and still be a Christian after that? This man, God sees fit to allow it to happen because he's given this man the ability to do that. Guys, this is happening in our own country. Be aware of it. Verse 13. For such are false apostles. He calls them right out on the table. Oh, they think they're apostles? They're false apostles. They're false apostles. Deceitful workers. (laughs) Wow, this isn't very nice on a Sunday morning, Pastor. Uh, Yeah, well, Paul's putting it out there. Why? Because he wants to guard the sheep, the true sheep of God. He had a great concern for the true sheep of God. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. You see, they were trying to transform themselves, these false apostles, these false teachers, by putting Paul down. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, but be very careful when you get around other Christians and they start putting down other Christians or other pastors. Be very, very careful. You probably want to get away as soon as you can. Be very, very careful. Now, if they're pointing out something that's happening and we need to be aware of, that's, that's different. But if I'm just saying they're just having a great time and ripping that person down and ripping and ripping and ripping and ripping, it's God's servant. I don't know why God would allow that to happen, but it's God's servant if they're truly saved. Instead of allowing the Lord to transform them via the Holy Spirit. And that's for all of us here, to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. Because once again, we see the difference between being religious. Maybe you're here this morning punching the clock. Maybe this is your first time in a church. We're not into religion around here. We're into relationship. 
Relationship, relationship, relationship. Paul is very straightforward. Verses 14 and 15. And no wonder. Now Paul's going to give us a very important principle here. Wake up if you've fallen asleep. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers, notice that, Satan is a created being. He can only be in one place at one time. But there are other angels who fell with him, who chose through pride to say, yeah, we're just as good as God. And, oh, oh, you're kicking Satan out? We're going with him. Okay, bye-bye. We believe possibly a third, and we don't know the number. The Bible doesn't tell us that number, but the Bible does insinuate possibly in Revelation a third of the heavenly host of the angels went with him also transforming themselves into the ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So here we see, here's a principle that the enemy, our spiritual enemies, they can transform themselves into an angel of light. What does that mean? Literally an angel of light is going to come into our room? No, basically they can make something look so good in a weak area of our lives and tempt us at the right time, then we go, oh, that's got to be of God. Living together, look at how everything's come together, honey, because I love you. I really love you. We can live together. See how it all came together? That's of God. No, God will never bless sin. God will never go against his word. Ladies, know that right away. As soon as that person says that, run. Run. He doesn't love you. He lusts you. Just run. Tell them to lose your phone number. All that good stuff. You see, people often make the devil out to be this guy who is red, pointy ears, kind of like down at ASU, long tail, legs of a goat, and a sinister smirk. Because this mental picture actually goes back to the Greek god Pan. Pan. Not Peter Pan, just Pan. Which was a half man, half goat which would have been seen in the niches by Jesus and his disciples when they went to Caesarea Philippi, which will be there in a little bit over a month. We're going to go to Caesarea Philippi. And that's where Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? And they gave an answer. And then he looked at them. And here's the question that I ask you today. Who do you say that I am? That's an eternal question right there. If you don't know who Jesus is, you better come up after the service and receive him as your Savior. Because that's the questions God's going to ask you. And he already knows, but just for conversation, what'd you do with my son? I don't care what you did with your money. What'd you do with my son? It's all about Jesus, guys. It's all about Jesus. And what's interesting about this Greek God is that he was the God of the shepherds and flocks and was believed to be responsible for their fertility. He was also responsible for a sudden and unexplained fear or panic. Pan is a contraction of peon, which brought forth the word panic. And that is exactly the tool that the enemy uses in our lives at times, at times. Now, panic can be a good thing. When there is something happening that endangers someone or something, you might panic. That's a good thing. Get out of the way. Do whatever it takes. But the enemy will often use the tactic of panic in our minds against our God. He'll whisper into our minds, God can't get you out of this. So what do we start to do? Fear? 
Well, we might start with fear, but it will lead to panic. What am I going to do? Now, that's past fear. You've now entered the realm of panic. We start to focus on the situation instead of the savior of the situation. And again, that might initially happen because we all have emotions. I get that. But do you stay there or do you go, wait a minute, i got to take that thought captive. I'm not going to panic. God's got a plan. God's doing something in my life. I'm going to trust in God. We all have those emotions. But do you stay there? That's why the word focus is important. Do we start to focus on the circumstances instead of the Christ? Which again, brings fear and panic. You see, we're not growing in faith and perseverance, but growing in our fear and panic. And I encourage us all to remember this simple fact. Fear, as I mentioned earlier, neutralizes faith. God wants our faith to grow. And he allows things to come into our lives from the enemy or from himself that will cause us fear at times. Now, God will never tempt us with sin, so I'm not saying that God is tempting you to sin out of fear. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he allows it to happen. And it can either build our faith or neutralize our faith. Not from outside forces. That's from us. And in walking with the Lord now for 45 years, I have seen it in my own life personally. I have an opportunity to grow or I have an opportunity to run. And when I run, the next day, the next week, the next year, I, don't have that, I didn't have that part of my testimony. But when I move forward, and I have run, by the way, but when I move forward, now I can look back and go, wow, God, you met me there, and you met me there, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this, so why wouldn't you do this today? You're going to do this today. And so that builds your faith. That's how you build your faith as a Christian. Step out. Just step out. Not foolishly. Do evaluation. Do your research. But you've got to step out sooner or later. If you don't, Your faith is not going to grow. You're just going to be a stagnant Christian floating to heaven. Very, very important. Our spiritual enemy knows that. And that is why he tries to bring us to that point of fear, trying to get our eyes off of God's promises found within the Word. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. You see, if the enemy was that obvious ugly and such, no one would follow for his tactics. Matter of fact, they would say, Oh, I know who you are, Pan. Get out of here. Beat it. But our spiritual enemy is is a created being and most likely one of the most beautiful angels that God ever created. Ezekiel chapter 28. Again, if you're new to your Bible, don't be embarrassed. Learn Learn the table of contents. But we also put slides up where you can find it quickly. And for me, because I fried my brain in the 70s, I got one of these Bibles with these really cool tabs so I can cheat. Don't beat yourself up. Use what's available. Just get over it and keep moving on. Ezekiel 28, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. So this is not obviously talking about a man Because who was in Eden? Eden. Adam and Eve. God created them male and female. That's it. Male and female. They disobeyed. They were removed from Eden. So there was not a human being, no other human being that was ever in Eden. So who was in Eden? We know the one who tempted Eve and deceived Eve. Adam willfully disobeyed. 
he was deceived was Satan, Lucifer, the devil. So, here we get a clue that this is not talking about a human being. The garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, the diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper. And you might think there's stones in heaven? <laughs> you might want to read your Bible. Because the foundation stones of heaven, which is a literal building, are gemstones. And the glory of God showing through those stones. Sapphires, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your trembles and pipes. Interesting. What are trembles and pipes? Musical instruments. That's why some pastors will say when Satan fell out of heaven, he fell into the choir loft. <laughs> so many people get hung up with worship instead of just lit- praise God with the music that's there. Was prepared for you on the day you were created. Notice that. Satan is a created being. He can only be in one place at one time. You were the anointed cherub. Ah, more information. So now we know that it was an angel, not a human being. Who covers? I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. Heaven itself. I believe that Satan most likely was the lead worshiper in heaven. Literally seeing the face of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Could this maybe be why he was so prideful? Or who are you? I can be like you. I can do what you do. I will be like the Most High God. I will, I will, I will. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So as we look it up back into Corinthians, we shouldn't be surprised, and maybe you're new to the faith, you want to be careful. As the music team comes up, you want to be careful. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself as an angel, into an angel of light. As a young believer, God will never contradict his word. He will never contradict his word. So if you believe that you can be doing something, abusing for anybody in this room, abusing prescription drugs. Well, the prescription drugs, but you're abusing them. It's not the word of God. Do I believe in prescription drugs? I have no issue with that. Praise God for prescription drugs. But don't get hooked on them and then start abusing them. Now you've crossed that line, obviously. Alcohol. Man, is that an, is that, can that raise an argument in a church? Yes, you can drink alcohol. The Bible says you can drink alcohol. But just remember, wine in biblical days was three parts water to one part alcohol. So you'd have to drink a whole lot of water to get drunk. And if you get, if you get tipsy on one beer or one glass of wine, then God is saying, I'm not. The Bible is saying, don't do it. Your mind is to be sharp, not cluttered, sharp. So that the enemy doesn't come in and try to teach you something. So the next time the enemy comes knocking on your door, be careful. For the ultimate end of their false religious practices is to take our eyes off of Jesus. Whatever it is. Mormonism, Islam, Jehovah Witness, whatever. Whatever cult. You are only sight by faith. That's not my opinion, but rather what Jesus taught in John. We'll wrap it up with this. John 3.18. He who believes in him. John speaking to Nicodemus. And the hymn here is Jesus, the Savior of the world. 
He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So if you're here this morning and you do not believe that Jesus is God, do it real quick, read it again. God loves the whole world, John 3, 16. His Son died for you. He loves you. You have an opportunity to receive Him. If you reject Him, it's on you. Do not blame God. Don't ever think, well, God, no, no, no. God just explained it to you through a messenger. Take it for what it's worth. If you don't want to believe in it, that's between you and God. But I can tell you right now, God does not want to send you to hell because He doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose to go there ourselves. I don't need that. Okay. You just made a choice. God didn't send you. Father, we thank you and praise you that you send no one to hell. You've sent your Holy Spirit. And your Holy Spirit is beckoning the whole world, pointing to the cross. And just because we don't know how that that could happen doesn't mean it's not happening. It's happening. You're God. Your word says you take no delight in the destruction of the wicked. Your word says that you're long-suffering, willing none to perish. Yet we also know the, the road to destruction is wide. It's so wide. The road to eternal life with you is so narrow. It's only through Jesus. As Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, it's very narrow. And we thank you for making it narrow and also very simple where religion makes it very complicated. So Lord, as saints, we pray for anyone in this room right now, anyone watching over the internet. We pray, Father, that you'd remove the spiritual blinders, that they would come forward, they would receive Jesus as their Savior. They would make that eternal commitment. And your Holy Spirit will come in them. And the Bible will become so alive, so real. So we thank you, Father, for that free gift of salvation. Lord, as we go out into our mission field this week, use us in our sphere of influence. Help us to walk the Christian walk, not in piety, not in self-religiosity, self-righteousness. But Lord, help us just to walk a humble walk, to be there for people, to love people, to ask them if we can pray for them, just to be available. Father, we thank you that we, we, ambassadors for Christ, get to be used by you wherever we might go. What a privilege. Use us this week, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And guys, I encourage you, um, as I often do, I encourage you if you go out to dinner. Do any of you guys go out to eat at all? Anybody go out to eat still? Yet? I know eggs, you know, they're, they're held hostage in many places now. I encourage you to ask your server, hey, can we pray for you? You know, we're going to pray. And we kind of do it at the end of the meal. We build a relationship with them, asking them. And at the end, we ask them, well, this past Friday, I was out with a brother. We got together and, and our server was waiting on us. And, and we said, hey, you know what? We're, gonna, we're Christians. We believe in prayer. And we want to pray for you for the week. Is there anything that we can pray for you for? And she stood there dumbfounded. I go, hey, no pressure, no pressure. You can think about it. Because I don't want anybody feeling pressure. No pressure, you can think about it. 
And she just kept standing there. And she just kept standing there. And all of a sudden she said, you know, I have something. And her eyes started to well up with, with tears. I have something, but I'm going to cry and I'm at work, so I can't say it. And I go, that's okay. God knows, Maddie. God knows. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. And she smiled and had to walk away because she was just going to start crying. People are hurting, guys. Just ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. Live out your faith. Live out your faith and watch what happens. Right now, people are, guys, we can laugh at it, but people are afraid of what's going on in this country. I'm not afraid because I, I know the rest of the story. But there are millions of people that are afraid of what's going on. Is that part of your sphere of influence, those six, eight, ten people? Pay attention this week. You know, in the spiritual world, pay attention. Ask somebody, hey, would you like me to pray for you? Not now. We're at work. Send me a text. I'll pray for you. Watch what happens. If you need prayer for anything, guys, come on up. We'd love to pray for you. You don't know Jesus. Why don't we all stand? Come on up. We want to pray with you to receive Jesus, guys. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.